0: i like to welcome those who are worshipping with us on Live Yet Outreach TV and, who are listen- and those who are listening to this by podcasts. May God continue to reach you right where you are in Jesus' name. Amen. We are truly grateful for what God has been doing for us in this covenant season of Kingdom Prosperity. We're thankful to God because he has helped us to explore some keys over the last seven weeks uh, about the various aspects of uh, Kingdom Prosperity. We have defined kingdom prosperity. We have talked about the place of keys and the place of believers understanding how to use those keys as these are biblical and uh, they are scriptural by all standards. We're going to end our series today uh, on uh, the kingdom prosperity key of seed faith. I want to encourage you to go back over the series. They're all on LiveGate Outreach TV and you can also get them. We can get them on iTunes uh, by... Just looking for LiveGate Outreach Center, you will see uh, all the recent messages there, including this series. So today we are looking at the very last of the keys we want to explore this session. There are many, many keys, but as God leads us, we'll be unraveling them as time goes on. But today we want to look at the Kingdom Prosperity Key of Seed Faith. And the banner today is just showing a hand and uh, seeds being sown into the ground, or being planted. And it's very important for us to recognize this uh, and to identify with this in the context of what we want to say today. A seed has to be planted by somebody. It's God's design. We understand just from uh, dictionary definitions that a seed is the unit of reproduction of any flowering plant. And it has the capability of developing into another of such a plant. So when you plant uh, corn, when you plant beans, when you plant rice, any kind of seed that you plant, you are expecting to get a plant of that seed that will carry more fruit, that will be a seed. We can also define seed as the very beginning of a feeling, the beginning of a process. So we can say that the seed of an effort or the seed of a project has been sown. So the seed is always the initiator of life, initiator in quote. It has in itself the ability to reproduce itself and not only itself, but to reproduce, it, to reproduce what produces it. It is a mystery. Jesus also talked about the seed Uh, and said the word of God is a seed. So when we talk about seeds, we need to understand they have been part of creation and what I want us to look at today by the grace of God is to see how God put and factored in the place of seed and the place of sowing of seed and the understanding of that in the context of true kingdom prosperity. I want us to look at Genesis chapter 1 from verse 11. Just to see the first reference to seeds in scripture. Let's read together. Genesis 1, 11. Let's go. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so." Verse 12, and the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Praise the Lord. This is the concept of seed right from creation god put in place the ability of every plant to reproduce itself and the ability of every animal also as it were to reproduce itself in the form of the other kind of seed that we as humans and as other animals also carry but in the in the plant uh, uh, science we understand that every seed contains the Entire code of the tree that brings forth that seed, hallelujah! And so it is important that Jesus came and also said, The seed is the word of God. So every time we apply the word of God in the context that it should be applied. What we are doing is that we are sowing the seed. And anytime you are hearing the word of God like this, in the context that it is being uh, delivered, you should also be prepared to receive the seed into your heart. Hallelujah. That is why in the parable of the sower, Jesus made it very clear that when the seed finds good ground, it brings forth fruit. And so it continues to multiply in 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. So, this concept is very important. So, when we talk about seed faith, which is our key consideration for today, we must come from a place where we understand the place of faith and the place of the seed in the spiritual context of scripture. Now, the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We know that in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and in verse 6, it also says uh, God is a rewarder without faith sorry it is impossible to please God because anyone that comes to God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him but the key thing there is that without faith it is impossible to please God so if faith is the substance of things hoped for and seed contains the physical representation of what is hoped for, and faith is the substance of things hoped for, it means that the concept of seed and faith must always go together. This is where we have got the phrase seed faith. And the Bible also says that the just shall live by faith. Hallelujah. So I want us to try and understand this today because this has a potential to transform your life. By the grace of God, I understood these concepts and uh, I started engaging with them well over 20 years ago and God began to open my eyes more. still exposing it the more to me. The concept of seed faith must be understood because it is what God put in place when God talked to Noah in Genesis chapter 8 verse 22. You see, Last week, we talked about Noah as a man who found grace, isn't it? We said he was a man who found grace in the eyes of the Lord after the flood, and uh, Noah offered a sacrifice. We talked about his sacrifice extensively last week, and we said, after he offered that sacrifice, we said something about Noah. We said that, and God came down and said, I will no longer curse the ground for man's sake, because God smelt a sweet savour. Of Noah's sacrifice. You can read that from verse 20. But let's read verse 22 together. In continuation of what God said. Genesis 8.22. Let's read together. While the earth remains. Seed time. And harvest. Cold and heat. Winter and summer. And day and night. Shall not cease. Praise the Lord. Now, the Bible says this is while the earth remains, as long as you are, and I are here, okay? Praise the Lord. I want us to understand these concepts, that there are certain things that have been put in place by God, and because God is not a man that he should like, there is nothing we can do about them. Those things must continue to operate. He said, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, And day and night shall not cease. Now, every one of those things exists in the physical. A farmer goes to the uh, farm in the seed time of any or the planting season, as it is called. And he plants seed so that he can wait for the harvest of that particular plant, uh, that particular crop or that particular yield to harvest from what he has planted. And uh, there is also the harvest time. There is the cold time. There is the heat, there is a cold, there is a heat, there is a winter time, there is a summer time, like we're experiencing winter right now, and it's undeniable. So there are physical connotations, there is day, there is night, right now we are in day, because there is daylight. Now there are people on the other side of the world who are already at night, or still at night, depending on which side of the world they are, we are right in the middle. So these things are physical, no doubt. But I want to also show you from scripture that every one of those things also has a spiritual connotation. And we need to understand the spiritual connotations so that we can also get the spiritual benefits. If you understand that in the daytime you can do your work. Those of you that don't work at night because I know people work around the clock. But if you understand that in the daytime you can do your work and at night you rest. Then you can plan your day so that you can get the benefit of night. And if you walk in the daytime, you know that you need to rest in the day and so on. So whilst we can make advantage of uh, the, the winter, we dress up, we heat our houses, we do the things that should help us to get through winter in the physical and the things that we should do also in the summer to make sure that it's not adverse to us, we must also understand the place of the spiritual connotation of every one of these things. Before I come back to seed time and harvest, I want to let you take down these scriptures. We can't go into all of them. Just talking about cold and heat. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 17, particularly in verse 9, he said, When somebody who fears the Lord, uh, when somebody has his trust in the Lord, he said, When heat comes, that person will not be put to shame. Now, that is not talking about heat as in temperature. That is talking about the spiritual heating up of life. That is talking about the things of life that make life difficult. And the Bible also says concerning uh, cold in Revelation chapter 3 verse, 20, uh, verse 15. We did a lot of those studies in, in the course of the year. And he said that you are neither hot you are, or cold. I will spew you out of my mouth. Now he's not talking about temperature there. We explained this many times when we looked at the seven churches. He's talking about spiritual coldness. So, whilst there is a cold in the physical, there is coldness also in the spirit. Praise the Lord. I want to lay this emphasis so that we can come back to seed time and harvest time in the spiritual sense and understand the things that God wants to pass across to us. For winter, for Matthew 24:12, Jesus said that. In Matthew 24 verse 12, Jesus says that and the love of many shall wax cold because of the increase of wickedness. So again, that has nothing to do with coldness in you feeling cold. But this is about going down spiritually. This is about giving up spiritually. So there is a spiritual connotation and we can do a heavy series on that verse alone and just keep going. There is a winter and a summer in the spirit. We know that, of course, the the Bible says we should look at the ant that he gathers in the summer. And it tells us to learn spiritually that while you can have the opportunity of summer spiritually, prepare yourself for the day when you may not be able to do the same. The same thing Jesus said concerning day and night in John chapter 9 verse 4. Please write down the scriptures. John chapter 9 verse 4. Concerning day and night, Jesus said... I must walk the walk of him who sent me while it is day because the night is coming when no man can walk. He wasn't talking about the physical day and night. He's talking about the spiritual state where it would be impossible and practicable for anybody to walk again because the end of time would have come. And so he he calls it night. And I said there are also a series of nights in our lives that we must understand that it comes by reason of age, by reason of different dispositions that we are not able to do certain things again. And we can go on and on. So the same way, seed time and harvest has physical and spiritual connotation as a kingdom principle. If we read it in the literal, thank you. If we go back again to Genesis 8.22. If we read it in the literal, it says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, and then all those things shall not cease. We may always just limit it to a farmer planting seed and waiting for the harvest. And notice it says seed time. So there is always a time to plant seed. There is always a time to plant seed. And it has to be appropriate. It says seed time and harvest will never cease. And so we must not restrict it only to the physical planting of seed, which is true. But also understand it in the spiritual context. When Paul came in 1 Corinthians 3.6 and he said, I planted, Apollos watered. But God gave increase. Was he talking about physical plants? No, he's talking about work. He's talking about ministry. That I did the work of sowing, I did the work of planting. Apollos did the work of watering, but God gave increase. And we must understand when God said to Noah, seed time and harvest will never cease, he is saying that the partnership of man, which will involve seed time and harvest, must be in place, partnership of man with God, which will involve seed time and harvest, must be in place all the time. You and I have no capacity to make any kind of seed, whether a physical seed or a spiritual seed. We have no capacity to make it grow. The only power we have is to sow it. God gave man the power to sow seed, but no more. Every other thing is to allow us to partner with him in faith, This is where seed faith has come in. Where we have the substance of the things we hope for by planting that seed. And we have in us the evidence of things not seen. Hallelujah. So we must understand that God expects of us to walk with him in the concept of seed sowing. So that he can allow us to have a harvest. I don't know about you, but when I was in primary school... We were taught about planting and one of the exercises we were given is to plant a bean seed just so that we can understand how it grows. How many of you ever did such things? Oh, I'm too old. Okay. But the the reality is that we all went and planted that thing. And how many of you will, will be honest with yourself that at that stage in your life, you were going to look at it every day? And some of you got so tempted that you removed the earth to see what was inside, <laughs> to see what was happening inside. Everybody must have had that because the, the concept is very interesting, is very fascinating. And a child would always be curious about trying to understand what happens to this thing I put in the ground. But it's not in the control of you and I. Everything that God has put inside, all he asks of us is to take the seed and plant and then wait by faith. To see it grow. And so I am laying this emphasis and this background today for us to understand the concept of seed faith. When we talk about kingdom prosperity, we must not model it up with the many things that have been erroneously taught over the last few years in the body of Christ. Seed faith is not just about somebody planting money or sowing money and just saying, I sow it, I receive it those things have trivialized even though money is money can be a seed like every other kind of seed it must not be restricted to only the sowing of money and not be done flippantly it must be understood in the spiritual context that whatever a man sows that he will also what he will reap hallelujah jesus came and talked about the kingdom like this mark chapter 4 mark chapter 4 verse 26 Write that down as we read it together. Mark chapter 4 verse 26. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. This is how the kingdom works. And should sleep by night and rise by day. And the seed. The man did what? He slept by night. And he rose by day. And the Bible says, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. But who planted it? Himself. He does not know how. This is where many believers rob themselves of the true kingdom prosperity. Jesus said, go back to verse 26 please. Jesus says, the kingdom, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God operates by this principle. If a man scatters seed on the ground, and then he goes to sleep, he does not know how, but when he comes up, it should sprout. Now, let's go straight to verse 28. He said, for the earth, read it with me, please. For the earth yields crops by itself. First, somebody say first. first. First the blade. Say, first the blade, then the head, after that, the full grain in the head. Verse 29, but when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle, because what? The harvest has come. What has the man done? He has only planted, but as he plants, he is also observing. First the blade, he keeps the sickle. Hallelujah. Then the head, he keeps his sickle. After that, he sees the full grain coming out in the head. He still holds his sickle. But when he can observe that it is now ripe, he harvests it. Why am I doing this? You see, a lot of people understand the concept of seed faith. And they do sow seeds. But the reality is that many people do not understand how to wait. Between the time you see the the, the, the blade, the time you see the head, and the time you see the full grain, and the time you see it actually ripen. These are stages in the kingdom that we must understand. Now, the seed that we sow are in different categories. That is why the Bible says, whatever a man sows, that he will reap. Because seed are in different grades and different kinds. There are seeds of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, steadfastness, self-control. These are part of the fruit. Now, the Bible calls it the fruit of the Spirit. But every one of those things are in it. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is all this. So there are seeds of those things as we sow kindness and we, as, we are, uh, as we sow patience. As we sow these kind of seeds of the fruit of the Spirit, we also expect the harvest. Because whatever a man sows, that he will reap. Praise the Lord. There is also the sowing of material things. We also sow of material things like money, the things that we can tangibly give to people apart from the spiritual things. Even though these material things also obey the spiritual law, the spiritual law that has to do with sowing and reaping, hallelujah. And so believers must dissociate themselves from anything that will keep you away from sowing seed as you ought to sow seed. Every opportunity to sow a seed gives you the potential for a future harvest. The devil will do everything he can to prevent any farmer from sowing seed. Because there is no chance of a harvest when seed has not been sown. You sow love into your marriage constantly so that you can reap love. You keep on sowing patience into relationships so that you can also receive patience. You keep sowing mercy into the lives of others. I've quoted to you many times, Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they also shall obtain mercy. So we must be sowing the right seeds every time. The reason why one of the things that we emphasize in the material realm of, of seed is, is money is the fact that when we sow seed it, of money, it also follows the same principle. Everyone who sows seed from genuinely, sincerely, according to a few patterns I'm going to give to you now before I close this, will also reap in accordance with the promise of Scripture that has given a provision for anyone who sows their seed faith. I just want to quickly tell us four things that must always be in place when we sow seeds. The first thing is that it must be done sacrificially and in righteousness. When I talk about righteousness, there again, it is talking about believing in what we are doing. Believing in the word that God has given. Psalm 126 verse 5. It said, those who sow in tears shall do what? Reap in joy. Verse 6 says, He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. May you come again rejoicing. In the name of Jesus. Now the Bible says, shall doubtless come again. So it is a settled matter. When you sow in tears, it means that you are sacrificially inconveniencing yourself. You are not sowing out of convenience. A farmer does not just stand at the edge of his farm and just throw the seed anyhow. He goes, like I showed you in the picture, he looks at the places that have been plowed, prepared to receive seed, and he makes sure, whether he's doing it manually or he's doing it mechanically, they make sure that the the seeds are put in the right places on the ridges, because seed must be sown Sacrificially, meticulously. He said, He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing uh, seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again. Hallelujah. And so this is why I always encourage believers that whatever God lays on your heart to sow per time as a seed in the life of somebody, in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a place, or in the body of Christ, particularly as it has to do with the work of the ministry, if God lays it on your heart to sow it, don't hold back your hand. It may not be convenient, it may not be looking like something that should be reasonable to do. But when you obey, what you do is you allow the heavens to open and you allow your own doubtless coming again with rejoicing. And I pray that it will continue to be your portion in the name of Jesus. In Hosea chapter 10 verse 12, he says, so for yourself, righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. You see the words again? Sow for yourselves. Who is, the, who is responsible for sowing? So you and I are responsible for sowing. And the Bible says we reap in mercy. What that simply means is that whatever the devil tries to do to pervert our, uh, our harvest, what God always does is that he allows his mercy to come and triumph over judgment. I say God's mercy will keep coming to triumph over judgment for you. In the name of Jesus. How do I know this? Matthew chapter 13 tells us. You can write that down from verse 30. The Bible says that there was a man who planted. And, then he, and the Bible says while men slept. And the enemy came and sowed tares. And the tares started to grow with the good uh, fruit. And the good seed was bearing and the tares were also bearing. But the, the harvester came and said let them be. Because a time is coming, I'm going to come and separate. That is what mercy does. He separates the bad fruit. He separates the things that the enemy is putting with your seed. As long as you stay focused on the harvester. As long as you stay focused on God, who is the Lord of the harvest. Hallelujah. This is why it says you must keep sowing for yourselves in righteousness. Righteousness there means right standing with the pure motives. Sowing from a heart that truly is focused on God not for ulterior motives. We don't give to God because we are trying to gamble. That is another error that has gone on in the body of Christ for many years. They say, give 1,000. Expect 10,000 because it's tenfold. There's nothing like that. You give, you sow to God in tears. You say, Lord, this 1,000 pounds represents a whole month's wage for me, but to demonstrate my love for you, I sow it In tears, in quotes. And when you leave it like that, what God does is that what you cannot even quantify comes back to you in blessings. There are many blessings that come that money cannot buy. How many times have you observed that there are certain things that God has delivered you from that if you were to put money to it, you will be talking about some heavy amount of money. Hallelujah. We must understand. So when we sow the seed... What God brings back is a harvest that matches the seed spiritually. It matches the context of the righteousness that the person has sown it. And the mercy of God helps us to reap. And in such cases, to truly be blessed. May the Lord continue to help us indeed. In the name of Jesus. I. My wife and I have always looked for opportunity to sow seed when we can in the lives of people, in the things that we do for God. And we have found that this has been one of the things. When my wife and I met, we met, I was on a campus. When we met 25 years ago, by the grace of God, yesterday was our 22nd wedding anniversary to the glory of God. But we met 25 years ago. 25 and a half years ago in a little city in northern Nigeria on a campus. I was a postgraduate student. She was an undergraduate student and that was all we had. And our life has been moving. We have watched. We can catalog for you the instances where we took seed and sowed just because we wanted to prove God and just demonstrate our love for him. And we just did it without anything expected. All we say is Lord this is our desire. And we leave it to the hands of God. And we watch him intervene in our lives. When many people have a privilege of being with us today. It looks as if this is how we have ever started. No. We started and we continue to work with God. And we are still continuing with him. Today we are still sowing we are now sowing at levels we could not have sown 10 years ago, not even 5 years ago. Because we understand that for every farmer, you see, I have seen farmers whose farms are only the size of this room. And I have seen farmers whose farm is more than this Warsaw. I knew, I knew them personally when I was in the States as a, as a kid. They used planes to, to, to fly over their farm. That's how big their farms were. Some of them had farms. You know, America is a very big country. Some people had farms that could go as long as covering the entire Birmingham. I tell you, one person's farm. So I've seen all kinds. Now those ones don't sow seeds like the man who has a farm that is this size. They sow their seeds with heavy, heavy flying equipment, mostly planes, that goes and scatters at the right and targeted locations and so on. So as you grow in life, this is what Jesus was saying about the, the woman uh, and her widow's might. As you grow in life... You do what is sacrificial. When that woman brought all she had, what she was saying is that I'm sowing this seed because I love the Lord. And Jesus took note of it. Some other people who could do much more were doing what they like. But Jesus said, no, this person is definitely sowing in tears. And obviously she deserves to reap in joy. There are many examples of that in scripture. There are people who also, there was a woman who uh, we know as the widow of Zarephath, who was to eat her last meal, and she was to die. But the servant of God said, make it for me. Not because the man was just going to punish the woman, but he knew that giving up that food was going to be a seed that would bring about a harvest. And we all know the rest of the story, how the Lord blessed the woman. May the Lord continue to open our eyes to these truths. In the name of Jesus. And as I said, we use money and material things as tangible objects we can relate to. But everything requires us to sow. Many people that you will be loving and showing mercy to don't always deserve it. In fact, they don't do the things that will make you want to do so. But you have to continue to engage, to continue to sow in tears so that you can reap in joy. May you continue to reap in joy. In the name of Jesus. The second thing is that it must be done qualitatively and patiently. So you sow in tears, but you must also do it qualitatively and you must be patient. This is Galatians chapter 6, verse 6 to 10. He says, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. This is another scripture that the body of Christ have made so light of. This is New Testament now. This is because a lot of people say, oh, something was Old Testament, something is New Testament. By the way, the word of God is the word of God, but I'm not going to go into that today. Galatians 6.6 says, let him who is taught the word share in all good things. Now, this scripture has been taught only to mean many times. Many people think that this has to do with only just giving to pastors and people who teach. It is true from what Paul is saying. But it goes beyond that. The Bible says, these are things that God showed me very recently. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. He said, how be it that when you gather, each one of you. Somebody say, each one of you. Somebody has a psalm. Somebody has a teaching. Somebody has an exhortation. He said, let all things be done unto edification. That is referring to the body of Christ. So as we gather like this, you are teaching me, I'm teaching you. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is my place in teaching the body of Christ, but there is also the place of the koinonia, of the fellowship, of the brethren. So we must be looking now for the opportunity when a brother blesses you with an exhortation, a brother blesses you with a, with a, a, a prayer, or he stands with you in prayer, and he, you, you, you just told him casually, and you said to him that, you know, something is happening at my workplace, and uh, I, I just need you to stand with me. Down there, you are going home, and the brother said, I will pray with you. I'll pray with you. And sincerely, they prayed with you. And then the next day, they call you. They say, how was the interview? I've prayed for you again this morning. And you say, you know what? Praise God. God answered my prayer. It's a very good thing. It's a very good thing. As that person has taught you the word, has helped your faith, share in the good things. These are things that help you to prosper. Praise the Lord. Share in that good thing. When the servants of God here labor and they share the word of God, share in good things with them. You get promoted. You get something that happens. Share in good things. There is a way God commands blessings in your life because you are sowing those seeds by way of sharing in good things. Verse 7 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. You will not sow to the flesh. For he who sows to the Spirit, will of the Spirit reap what? Everlasting life. Verse 9, let's read verse 9 together. And let us not grow weary in while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Hallelujah. Why did Paul have to say this? Because there is a tendency to grow weary. There is a tendency many times for people to say, I've been sowing and sowing. I've been doing those things. I'm not doing again." Praise the Lord. There are many people who started this journey of this faith by doing the right things, by sowing the right seeds, by living the right way. But you see, along the line, they get tired and they do what we call backslide. They backslide. They give it up. Paul said, don't grow weary while doing good. There are certain things that God has taught me that I know are good to do. To forgive people. To overlook people's wrongs. I know that they are good to do. But many times I still get the negative. The person you forgive now still (laughs) hurts you again. And the tendency will be to say, I'm not forgiving this time. But you don't grow weary because forgiveness is a good thing. When you forgive others, When you forgive people, others will forgive you also. So the devil must not stop you from doing the good. Whatever you have known, you have done before that is good and is biblical. Never stop doing it regardless of what you see. Hallelujah. And the Bible says in verse 10, Therefore, as I've explained this before, we can read it again, As we have opportunity, let us do good to all. Especially to those who are what? Of the household of faith. May you continue to do good. I say may we continue to do good. In the name of Jesus. So it must be done qualitatively and patiently. Tell your neighbor for me, remain patient. Keep attaining testimonies that are uncommon. Praise the Lord. This applies in your personal life. This must apply to us as a ministry. This must apply to us in every area of our businesses and our works. As long as you are doing what God says you should do, keep sowing, never give up. And God will reward you. I say, and God will reward you in the name of Jesus. Very quickly, number three, it must be done generously. They're all linked together. What's the first one? It must be done sacrificially and in righteousness. Second one, it must be done qualitatively and patiently. Then number three, it must be done generously. Second Corinthians chapter nine verse six. We read it earlier. He said, "But this I say: He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully." This is a very self explained structure. It uh, uh, scripture. It explains itself. If you sow sparingly, what does that mean? It means that you are withholding more than is necessary. When you are commanded to sow or when you want to sow God knows the level of sparing sowing for every per- every person what we want is that God sees us as a people who sow bountifully and may we be people who sow bountifully in the name of Jesus i used to tease and say this story many times that when i first came to this country i the first the offering, I, this sort of seed offering I gave to the buying of certain things in a church, a chairs really, in a church, was uh, 250 pounds. And at that point in time, that was like 50% of what I typically earned on a monthly basis. And I had rent and I had all those things to pay. And honestly, ever since that day, God took me from that realm to the point where I cannot, by the grace of God, say today that I'm sowing 250 pounds and I say that is a seed or that is a a, a sacrificial seed. No, it can't be a sacrificial seed because God has taken me beyond that by his special grace. You have to keep pushing. Don't say, ah, I don't have anything. I've always told you, if you are at the realm of the one pound, sow it. If you are at the realm of the 10 pounds, sow it. If you are at the realm of the 100, sow it, 1,000. 5,000, 10,000, whatever. Sow it. Because there is always something bigger for God to do in your life. And how God is going to bless you is that he will be giving you things, opening doors, giving you ideas, opening doors for you that you could not have orchestrated by yourself. I decree that it shall be your portion. In the name of Jesus. And this again goes in every aspect of life. As you are sowing generously and giving generous mercy to people, you will find people merciful to you generously as well in the name of jesus those of you who like manage others and have other people working for you always remember when you are tempted to tell somebody off and to make them feel bad for what they've done always remember there's always somebody as well that you are responsible to do you know that there is nobody on this earth no matter how rich they are that are not dependent on other people we talk about big names, Facebook, and so on and so forth. If something just goes wrong and somebody decides to make sure that the whole people on that platform stop using it, I tell you that business will collapse in next to no time, as big as it is. As big as the American presidency is. If the, the Senate people and the House of Red people want to make life difficult for him and make it impossible for him to do things, it just takes 24 hours of a bit of plotting here and there. And they'll make life difficult for him, the most so-called powerful political figure on the planet. There is no human being that is not dependent on another person. So we must always remember, in the place of showing mercy, that is an opportunity for us to sow seeds of mercy. That doesn't mean we should be condoning all wrong and just be living carelessly, but we must remember these things. Praise the Lord. So we must be generous with it. Finally, it must be done by faith and courage. Somebody say faith and courage. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 4. Let's read together. He who observes the wind will not sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. You see, many times when we observe the wind, it means when we look at the physical circumstances, the things that are dictating against doing what God has commanded us to do, we will not sow. Like I said to you, if I was to sow 250 pounds out of calculation at that time, I would not have sown it. I would say, why should I do that kind of thing? It doesn't make sense. I can sow 25 pounds. That's convenient. (laughs) But God laid it on my heart. He said, sow this, son. And by the special grace of God, in that same church as I was just sharing by the privilege I was given to share, that same church, God provided me the very first job that I got in this country without application, without anything, somebody called me and said, I want to give you this job, and gave me work permit, gave me everything I needed to get ingrained. There is a way your seed will bring a harvest to you that you cannot quantify. I pray that you will encounter it, in the name of Jesus. Ever since we started this church building project, and I told my wife, we're going to sow what we have never sown before, at a go, and by the grace of God, we will do that. Ever since we started, gradually started, I have been seeing doors that are opening that I have never imagined before. Things that I cannot explain. This God is not a liar. (laughs) The Bible says God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should repent. Has he not said it? Will he not make it good? I want you all to completely put your faith in God. Whatever he says to you to do, what? Just do it. And your liberation will come. I say your liberation will come. In the name of Jesus. When you get home, write down Genesis chapter 26, the story of Isaac. There was famine in the land but Isaac sowed. He did not regard the wind. He did not look at the famine. He did not look at the adverse conditions. He sowed. And the Bible tells us that in verse 13, Genesis twenty-six thirteen, and then the man began to prosper and continued prospering. Somebody who sowed in famine. He began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. That will be your story. I said that will be your story in the name of Jesus. Don't look at the wind to sow. And I'm saying this very, very carefully. It is a spiritual thing. The Bible says let everyone give as he has been convinced. As he is able, you think, you pray, you let God lead you in doing these things. And as you do so, you don't regard the wind. And like Isaac prospered and began to prosper and continued prospering. My God will make you prosper in the same way. In the name of Jesus. May the Lord continue to bless you. I must always tell you this. Bless your parents. Bless your parents if they are still alive. If they are not alive, bless those people who God has used to help you to get to where you are. Don't forget them, especially in times like this. Just think about them. Send them something. They will pray for you. The prayer of people who you bless is answered quicker than any prayer you can imagine because it comes from their heart. It comes from their soul. That's why Isaac said, give me venison so that I can bless you because when he eats venison, (laughs) something comes out of his mouth. So he said, give me the venison. (laughs) That's just my own by the side. But the truth is, as the man ate, he blessed. And that blessing went on the man despite everything. So may God help you to do the right things. I say may God help you to do the right things. In the name of Jesus. Somebody will say we have talked about giving. Why are we talking about sowing? There are two different things. You see giving is just simply an obligation to give. Sowing is in obedience to the law of seed time and harvest. Is that clear? Sowing is in obedience to the law of seed time. While the earth remains seed time. So you sow a seed. You sow a seed. And as you sow a seed, the Lord will cause you to experience a harvest. In the name of Jesus. Rise to your feet as we pray over the emblems of our communion.